0: This is episode one with Ryan Anderson, CEO of Filevine, on how to use exhibits at conferences as a strategy to generate high quality leads and partnerships that close. Have you ever wondered about what other SaaS companies are doing to grow their business? What channels are they experimenting with? Where are they finding traction? Welcome to How to SaaS, the go-to podcast for growing your cloud software company. I'm your host and growth strategist Shiv Narayanan. I'm also the CMO of Wild Apricot, the number one membership software for small associations and nonprofits. Each week we'll bring you interviews with founders, CEOs and growth leaders who have successfully implemented a growth strategy to help you take your cloud software company to the next level. Are you ready? Let's begin. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode, the first ever in the history of how to SaaS. I'm your host and growth strategist, Shiv Narayanan, and you are in for an amazing treat today with our guest, Ryan Anderson, and our topic of how to strategically exhibit at conferences to bring in leads and partnerships. Ryan is the CEO of Filevine, a case management software for law practices, which he launched just about a year and a half ago, and they've been growing at an alarming rate, roughly 30% month over month, and they are now at about $500,000 in annual recurring revenue. One of the ways Ryan and Filevine have been able to penetrate the market of law firms so quickly is by executing really well on conferences. Exhibiting at major conferences is something that most cloud software companies struggle with. So I wanted to bring on Ryan to discuss how they found some magic and succeeded where others have failed. In this episode, you'll learn answers to the following questions. How to prepare for a conference to ensure your highest odds of success how to set up your booth at the conference to attract foot traffic, leads, and on-the-spot demos, how to form partnerships with other vendors at the conference, and how to follow up post-conference to close deals. We'll cover lots more as we get into the conversation, so let's jump right in. Here's my interview with Ryan.
1: All right, welcome to the show, Ryan. How's it going? Good, good. How are you, Shiv? Good. Uh, Just for the audience, if you can uh, give give some sort of an introduction about who you are, where you came from, and what exactly FileVine is, and then we'll take it from there.
2: Yeah. So uh, I am one of three co-founders of FileVine. Uh, It is a legal project management tool. So think of us like legal case management, um, but we're really base camp for lawyers. Uh, So that's the idea is basically that lawyers have a really hard time tracking tasks, collaborating uh, together on projects. Um, all the current tools are really focused on more practice management, you know, accounting features, integrations with QuickBooks, billing. But uh, legal cases, especially big legal cases, uh, are handled as projects. And so what we have done is taken a lot of, of what we've learned from Basecamp and Trello and other types of uh, project management tools and integrated that into a system that appeals to lawyers, that has the Kind of the data schema that they would need for their cases Um, and so it gives you kind of that rich uh, case management environment within which to handle the project management that cases require so that's kind of the the skinny on filevine uh, itself we started the company coming up on about four years Uh, it's more like three and a half i should say Uh, about three and a half years ago it took us about two years to build the software and we launched Uh, about a year and a half ago. Since then, uh, we have grown about 30% month over month. So when you feel very good about that, it's, you know, at this point it's, the difficulty is really kind of hiring and and managing the growth that we have. Um, And most of that is incoming um, growth, but we have had a lot of success through some other uh, marketing efforts that I'm sure you and I will talk about uh, Shiv, including conferences. Awesome. So 30% of your
1: month-over-month uh, month growth is actually really unprecedented. So how much are you guys at in terms of
2: uh, uh, recurring revenue right now? So we're just coming up on about a half million in recurring revenue. So we're still small. Like I said, have been out about a year and a half.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so, so so, tell me, you, you just came back from a conference right now, right? So it's, it's, it's a bit of a channel that's
2: bringing you guys some customers? We did. Uh, I don't know that I've gone to a conference and not walked away with Uh, customer at least. Um, and, and it's usually, you know, it's kind of interesting when you go to a conference, um, even when you might not think that it's successful because you didn't ink a deal at the conference, which I'll tell you is rare. Uh, most of the time we will ink a deal or two, but it's maybe one per conference, but it's after the conference, um, that the people that you've spoken with that have expressed interest, they're there at the conference to, um, to develop those relationships, to kind of get a sense of what's out there in the market. And so they expect you to follow up with them after the conference. That's exactly what they hope you'll do. Um, and so it's it's the follow up after the conference that really brings in the sales. So, yeah, I mean, I, again, I think almost every single conference we've done has resulted in sales. And uh, this last one's been no exception.
1: Mm-hmm. And so whenever you go to a conference, how many leads do you usually walk away with?
2: Oh, boy. You know, I mean, that varies quite a bit. Um, You know, I'll do as small as um, and is maybe, you know, uh, conferences with 100 people. Um, And usually I'll be speaking to, you know, we're lawyers. Um, My my co-founder and I are lawyers. And so we speak to a lot of legal conferences about the tool and about how they can better manage their practices through technology. Um, And some of those conferences are small. Um, so, you know, sometimes it's as few as four or five, but, uh, I mean, we, our very first conference that we went to when we launched the product within 30 days of that conference, we had sold eight large law firms, um, just from that one conference alone. So, um, yeah, I mean, you can, you can do well, uh, you can do very, very well at conferences and for us, it's a key area because, um, You know, telemarketing or inside sales, kind of outbound uh, calls into law firms does work, but it's pretty difficult. Um, Law firms, like a lot of professional services, are set up to um, uh, avoid those types of phone calls. Um, If a lawyer's receptionist is any good, she makes sure that your phone call will never go through. And of course, that's the case with all outbound sales, but I think it's particularly true with attorneys. Um, one of the issues that attorneys have is that they're just, they're, they build their time. And so if they're on the phone with a the salesperson, they really feel like you're taking, uh, money away from them in a, in a very real way. So, um, the only time that lawyers are kind of amenable to learning about new products and how to better their practice is when they have kind of mentally set aside some time for doing that. And we find that them being out of the office in a different location, Um, Usually, you know, in a a kind of a a good hotel where they can spend some time and kind of relax, that's when they're prepared to start thinking globally about their firm and how to build it. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: So uh,
1: walk us through a little bit. what about what happens after the conference we'll get a little bit more into what happens during and before but I want to understand now you have a bunch of leads that you've uh, made some uh, had some conversations with how do you follow up because that challenge still exists right because there are still doorkeepers you are still taking up their time uh, afterwards on the phone or via email so what is the sales process after to close a deal once you've made a contact
2: yeah I would say a couple things so good follow-up after the conference um, is actually preceded, uh, preceded by um, by a good relationship at the conference. So, you know, if all you've done is sit at, sit at your booth and hand out uh, collateral flyers, um, collect cards for a giveaway, uh, you're not going to have a lot of success in follow-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not what we do, though. Uh, we try and have a very engaged booth presence. Um, we'll talk more about this, but the types of people that we have at the booth are the kinds of people that can really give advice to the lawyers that are walking by. I mean, just in the way that you would provide great content through online marketing efforts, we want to provide great content and great people uh, at at our booth. I mean, this is such a highly concentrated environment that the lawyers should walk away impressed, thinking, man, the person that I met at this conference, they're going to make my law firm better or they're going to make my company better. Um, I'm so glad I met this person. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, they, not only do they expect you to follow up, but they want you to follow up. And so, you know, from kind of a logistic standpoint, um, it, it is actually really challenging. In fact, I've thought several times there's a there's a startup somewhere that will uh, do a better job of lead capture at a conference because it's pretty challenging just to remember all the people you speak with. It's kind of um, unbelievable because, you know, sales are so important and you think you're going to remember everybody. But, you know, at a two or three day conference, uh, I'll speak to, and I do a lot of conferences myself still. Although uh, we're, I'm doing less and less personally. But in in any given conference, you know, I'll probably demo. Uh, I this this may be high, but I want to say maybe fifty, sixty people over the course of uh, three or four days. Wow! If not, a, if, uh, maybe maybe a few more than that.
0: Are those
1: like on the spot demos?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. These are people that have walked up. They've asked a few questions about the product, and then I lead them over to the TV screen and walk them through it. Obviously, these are not full product demos, right? For us to get that much in, but we mm-hmm. answer a few key questions. We get really good at probing what their pains are, what their needs are at the conference, um, and you know they're sitting right there in front of you. Um, uh, I'll never forget Paul Graham made a statement in a speech I listened to uh, where he said, "Person to person is very high bandwidth." Um, That is exactly how I feel about a conference. I mean, you're sitting right next to somebody. You're looking them in the eye. um, You can get a sense for that person and the pain they're having at, in in our case, their law firm, but at their company um, in a way you just cannot get over the phone. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can really quickly kind of gauge what they need and and what they want to hear about. And so these are shorter demos. Um, You know, I've certainly seen them last as long as a half an hour, 45 minutes, but most of the time. Uh, They've got about 15 or 20 minutes. And so what you wanna do is really end at a crescendo. Um, You wanna hit the three or four points about your product that you know are really good, that are gonna be very impressive to them, that will get them excited, then ask for a card. And then I immediately take as many notes on that card as possible. Just handwritten notes right on the card. Um, You know, I know a lot of people will say, uh, buy the lead capture uh, materials that you can get at the conference, that's kind of where you scan somebody's name. I find those to not be very beneficial. First of all, they almost never give you the email for the lead. Um, And so all you really have is a name and a law firm or a name and a company um, and and usually not even a phone number. So it's not all that beneficial. Um, Secondly, if you have a card, you have a physical item that will hopefully trigger in your mind who that person was. And if you write down some notes about what your conversation was it'll be much easier to remember that person and something we've done recently is we actually rate um the lead we score it right there and then on the card and this is just a you know there's it's not too scientific um this is just kind of our quick um analysis of how good of a lead we think this particular person is and we just do a one out of ten and we just write it on there just you know uh, two three four five and we write it up in the upper right hand corner of the card um, and if it's a nine, you bet that person's going to get a call back, you know, at least one or two days after the conference.
1: That is so, awesome. I, <laughs> I can imagine ahead. people on the call just scribbling that, uh, that. That was a gem. So just lead scoring based on some qualitative data. But that way, you know who to follow up with first. That's great, man.
2: You do. Yeah. And, and, and if you don't do that, you will leave some good leads on the table because, uh, again, you will forget who you've spoken to for sure.
1: Right. Right. So then, okay, so now let's say you built this relationship and uh, you've scored your leads. Now, how are you following up after? Is it just by outreach by email?
2: Yeah, Uh, it's almost all done by email. We do do some phone calls as well, but I mean, you've got a very warm lead in your hand at that point. So between a phone call and email, you're almost always going to get a response because again, you've connected with this person if you've done your job right. Um, And so you know, they're going to, they're going to want to talk to you. Um, they, they think that you can improve their practice. Um, they think that you can improve their company. And so, yeah, we do both phone calls and emails. Um, usually a quick email is enough if you've got a a really warm lead. Um, but of course, you know, you want to get them right into the CRM as soon as you get back to the office or even that same day. In fact, oftentimes we'll just go back to the hotel room that night and, uh, put them into Salesforce. Um, you know, uh, link them with the the campaign that we're that we're involved in and we can talk more about how that how we how we do that but we want to link those leads to the conference so we can measure to the best uh, uh we can um how, how valuable that conference was for us uh but yeah you want to get the leads into the crm immediately score them and create tasks for yourself to uh, follow up on those leads um mm-hmm. And then I would say after the conference, and, and this should happen soon after the conference, I wouldn't let even 48 hours go by. You need to meet with every person who was at that booth in the conference, meaning all the the, the staff uh, that you had in the booth. And they, they all need to be together either in the same room or at least on the phone. And you guys should go through the leads because, again, you will forget these people and you won't remember uh, conversations you've had. Um, So it's good to get everybody together to remember, oh, hey, this was so-and-so, and and they have this company, and they have this need, and what they really want is this. Um, Let's assign them to, you know, this account executive so she can reach out, that kind of thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we always do a post-conference group meeting with all the people that have attended the conference. Mm
1: -hmm. And so how many people do you usually end up taking to a conference, uh, and what types of people? Are you taking SDRs? Are you taking account executives?
2: So lately we, we've leaned more towards account executives because again, this is just such a, uh, a kind of a focused environment where you have so many people who want to hear about your product. I mean, you know, if you've chosen the conference correctly and, and by the way, I mean, you can make mistakes there. You can choose conferences that are really not in your target market. So I'd be very careful to make sure you're going to the right conferences. We have made that mistake a couple times, um, and uh but yeah, if you if you've got the right target market, um you really need to have an AE there so they can answer uh kind of more in-depth questions. The AT is AE is gonna be a lot more consultative in their approach. Um they're gonna be better at uh kind of asking probing questions and finding out pain points and and, and they're just gonna create that relationship a lot better. So, you know, while you know some may say an SDR is good enough i really don't think so um i think you want somebody who's got good product knowledge who can walk the buyer through the various um concerns they may have and answer some real questions and maybe even some you know technological questions um So yeah, I I think you need an AE there. We usually have between two and four people. Um, Again, I think it depends quite a bit in the conference, how big the conference is. I've done them where I'm the only one who attends. Uh, I've done them where we've sent just one AE. I don't know that we've ever just sent um, an SDR. And again, I wouldn't do that. Um, I don't think, you know. typically SDRs just aren't knowledgeable enough about the product to answer the kinds of questions you're gonna get. And you will hear about that. we got several comments at this uh, the conference we were just at which was the ABA Tech Show and we had lawyers coming up to us saying i'm so sick of these you know 18 or 19 year old kids uh trying to demo me uh products that they don't know anything about <laughs> right um, and that, that's a common concern so i mean you're wasting their time and they're there to learn so bring people who know what they're talking about
1: right so um uh, with all this uh all these people that you're taking over and the uh, booth expenditure and all these things the cost for a conference does add up Right, so do you on average how much do you guys end up spending?
2: At conferences vary widely in how much um, they cost um, So it, it's hard to say up uh, uh, as a general rule how much we end up spending you know, uh, I think we've probably the, the most we've ever spent at a at a conference is probably and I'm, I'm including the booth expense here, uh, probably $30,000, um, between what we paid for the booth and what we paid for the space. Now, once you paid for the booth, you obviously don't have to pay for that again. So if you're getting a, you know, twelve thousand, fifteen thousand $15,000 space, that should be a premium space, at least, uh, you know, in, in, in the market that we're in, in the legal tech market, you, you should be getting a very premium location for that. Mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I would test it out. If I were talking to somebody who hasn't done a conference before, I would test it out with a nice looking, very professional booth. Don't go cheap, but don't, um, you know, blow it out of the water with some crazy booth. You don't know if it's going to work yet for you. Um, I would test it out with a booth that's very, very attractive um, and and see how it goes. Um, but for us, it, it went very well. And so it was an easy call to make to make the investment and to double down on it. You know, our sales, um, to the larger firms which are also much easier to access at conferences um are uh i mean that that they all come from from conferences
1: mhm and and so when you're putting in this kind of money let's let's say even if it's 20,000 for a conference or 15,000 uh you're measuring your ROI based on how many people you're converting after but how much of that depends on uh the ACV of the software um, if you're on the lower ACV side, is this even an avenue that you should consider considering how high uh, the cost uh, to actually do an event is?
2: I'm not sure that you should. Uh, you know, the, it's an interesting question. I mean, our ACV uh, it has a pretty wide range, but I uh, I would say the median ACV is is – creeping up into the ten to $15,000 range. And so, you know, it doesn't take too many deals to get done at a conference for it to be worth it to us. And and at the high end, our ACVs can be fifty, a $100,000. Um, our very biggest deal right now, which is uh, in the seven figures and hasn't yet closed, but we're, we're hoping it will here in a few days, um, that came from a conference. Um, and, and I don't know if you want to talk about this now, but uh, I, I think one of the easiest things to do is ignore the vendors at a conference other other people that are there other booths and mm-hmm. that's a huge mistake um,
1: so let's we talk, can about, talk that.
2: about that now if you'd like but, but go ahead
1: yeah yeah please please expand so uh what do you mean by ignoring the vendors
2: yeah yeah i would not ignore the other vendors and the other uh, the other booths at the conference including competitors um, so i'll first kind of hit on uh, just other vendors other vendors are likely selling to your same market Right. So these people already know your market in many cases, uh, especially, you know, startups, the other vendors will know your market maybe better than you do. Um, They'll know what the landscape of your market looks like, and they will know which of their customers might need your product. I I can't tell you. I don't know what percentage of our sales at conferences have come from vendor recommendations. Um, That would be an interesting thing to look at. But it's a significant percentage. I mean, off the cuff, I'm going to say maybe a third. Um, Mm -hmm. is, um, it's a, it's a high density environment. You have a lot of people there all selling to the same, um, market or, or at least a very similar market and they know what their customers needs are. And so, you know, in our case, it's very common for us to be talking to a vendor who said, Says, boy, you know, I I know that such and such law firm really needs this kind of software or, you know, I know that such and such law firms actually shopping right now and and you should go contact them. Or, uh, you know, we work with uh, this law firm every day and uh, I know they're very unhappy with their current solution. So, I mean, you will find out information that you couldn't find out any other way. Uh, you're not going to get that doing inside sales, uh, but here you've got a personal relationship you're building with other vendors, and of course you can then refer them business uh, when when good deals come your way and somebody needs uh, uh, either a service or a software that you can't provide. Well, you've got uh, a, a, you know a way up, up somebody you can refer them to, and. Um, and you can create a you know mutually beneficial relationship that way. So I highly recommend talking to the vendors. Um, our very biggest deal, which is uh, hopefully uh, in the seven figures, low seven figures, came from uh, a vendor at a conference. Um, and the vendor kind of spent a lot of time talking with us and indicated uh, kind of coyly that he had a very large law firm that he wanted to get us in contact with, and he did. Um, and so, you know, that, that happens all the time. The other one that I think... Um, is less um, intuitive is to speak with your competitors. Mm -hmm. Um, It is almost inevitable that your competitors will have a niche that they're good at that you're not, and vice versa. You will be good at something in your niche that they are not good at. And if they're good, honest um, competitors, they'll refer clients to you who they know they can't service. They've got their product market fit. They know who they can service very, very well. And They know that there's a certain type of of customer that they're not going to service very well. And maybe there's some overlap, but I can almost guarantee you that even if you've got a competitor whose product is very similar to you, you probably have some advantages uh, over their product with a certain type of customer. They probably have some advantages over you with a certain type of customer and you will get referrals uh, even from competitors. Uh, I refer people to competitors and I've gotten many referrals and sales from competitors um, so, there's no reason at all to have that be a, a completely adversarial relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, when are you forming these relationships during the conference?
2: Yeah, good question. So, there's always going to be a lull at these conferences. Um, and by the way, you know, at your first conference, you shouldn't be freaked out by that. Um, the people attending conferences aren't there uh, to walk around the booth section for three days, uh, they're there usually to uh, do continuing education courses in their, uh, professional field, or they're there to, you know, go to, um, hear speakers and hear what they have to say and learn and go to workshops. So, um, there, there will be booth hours. If you're at a good conference there, they will draw people into the booth area, uh, through various different ways. Um, we can talk a little bit about good questions to ask to make sure that the booths are getting good traffic, um, that's actually key but um but yeah it, it, there will be times when when um the the exhibit hall is extremely crowded and there will be times when the exhibit hall is um uh, nearly empty except for the exhibitors so during those periods uh where there's no one walking around um I wouldn't leave the booth empty but I would say to the two or three people who are there with you go meet the vendors go meet every single one and uh, I to this day I try and meet almost every vendor when I go to a conference at least shake their hand to get some idea of what they're about um and and again we've we've had a lot of sales resulting from those relationships it's very easy to ignore them it's very easy to say I don't have time for that um you get tired at a conference I think conferences are exhausting um it's hard to be on for 5 or 6 hours at a time while your booth is open mm-hmm. doing demos all day um it's absolutely brutal but Um, kick it into high gear and get out there and meet the vendors because that's that's an important piece right it's like a marathon yeah Yeah. Um,
1: you you mentioned something interesting there which is uh, booth traffic it's almost like a funnel right so uh, you got to first have the booth itself then you got to find a way to get people to the booth and once they're at the booth you got to engage them and do the demo and then follow up after the conference so talk a little bit about this uh, booth traffic thing how do you guys uh, get people to come to the booth and stay engaged uh, so that you can get them to that demo
2: yeah, so I think there's some pre-conference work that people need to make sure to do. You can almost always get the attendee list from the conference organizers uh within a few weeks prior to the conference. Now that list is usually not complete. Uh they'll give you a second list after the conference of the people that actually wound up attending. Uh and it's usually more, by the way. Usually more people show up at the very last minute or the same day. But you want to get that list ahead of time. Um it's usually not going to have emails. Sometimes it does. Um If it does, great. Uh, Get those emails into your CRM and and start uh, uh, sending out emails, letting people know you're going to be at the conference. Um, The more uh, you can do that, the better. I would find those customers who look like they're a good fit for your product. Again, it's all about product market fit and let them know that you want to show them a few tools that you think can make a big difference in their business and, and tell them why in the email and they will come by. Uh, Again, they're there to look for software and they will come by. So I think that's one important thing is kind of prime the pump prior to the conference. A lot of conferences will have a conference app uh, that all the attendees are on. Um, And, you know, a lot of it's about social sharing at the conference. But take advantage of that app. Don't spam everybody and say to come to your booth. But you know, provide good content, be an active participant and where it's appropriate, uh, let them know where your booth is going to be and have them come over. Letting people know where your booth is going to be is actually kind of a big deal um, at the bigger conferences. And like, for instance, uh, Legal Tech, which is the biggest conference that we attend, has three full floors of booth space. Um, <laughs> it is it's massive. Um, right. and, and so you need to tell people where your booth is um, because they they may not find it otherwise. And then, uh, look, y- you need an attractive booth. Uh, it doesn't have to be a booth that you go out and spend a ton of money on, but I would have your designer uh, design a killer backdrop uh, and table uh, tablecloth um, and make it look really, really good. I mean, people should stop and want to talk to you simply because of your booth. Um, I, and And they will, by the way. I mean, if you've got a good, attractive booth, people want to know what you're about, especially if you're new. Um, you know, a lot of the attendees at these conferences have been attending for years. All of a sudden you're a new product. Um, but if you haven't presented yourself well, well, uh, with a good booth, they won't stop. Um, we like to have, you know, kind of conference tchotchkes. Uh, I definitely recommend them. Everybody has them, but they'll, they will drive people to your booth. No question about it. Um, we've, we've experimented with kind of very low end, um, uh, kind of booth fare like pens and, uh. Uh, you know, really kind of cheap stuff. And then we've experimented with, um, with uh, prizes, uh, you know, put in your car to win a free iPad kind of thing. Um, I actually think neither of those are very helpful. Um, if you're just... Right. If you're just giving somebody a pen, they're never going to remember you. It doesn't matter. They're just walking by and grabbing a free pen. And they don't feel like they're getting something of a good enough value to stop and talk to you. Um, And then the free iPad thing is just a way to get people who want free iPads. Um, They're not interested in talking to you at all. They're just going to drop their card in, probably not give you a chance to talk uh, to them even a little bit. Instead – go ahead.
1: So yeah, so what do you use?
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I like to give away something that is valuable but uh, isn't going to break the bank. So um, what we do <laughs> that we love right now, and I hope everybody doesn't go out there and copy me, but uh, we've <laughs> seen other vendors do it, is uh, we've got uh, um, water bottles. Um, and you can get them pretty cheap. Um, but if you put a, a logo on your on your water bottle, people love them. Uh, they need them. They will use them. They'll take them home. And it's a big enough item that they're going to feel a little uncomfortable just walking up and grabbing one and walking away. Um they'll they'll spend some time talking to you and by the time you s- you start talking to them, um you know, you'll be able to address their needs and find out, you know, what it is about their particular company that makes them think they or you know, what why they could use your software. And you'll be surprised how many people will, you know, once you've asked them a few probing questions about pain points uh, at their company, they'll let you in on that and then all of a sudden you're having a conversation doing a quick demo and and getting a copy of their business card. Mhm.
1: Uh, makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I've seen some other cool things too, where uh, some people have offered LinkedIn pictures and some some random. Oh, that's cool. yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it got me uh, using the software that we're currently using to record the call right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but one thing I wanted to ask, you mentioned booth attractiveness. So uh, obviously, getting the booth materials and all that stuff costs a lot of money. So. Can you talk a little bit about how you, what you, who you've used, or what you've had success with in terms of what you use to set up your booth? Like, what what, what, what else there?
2: I I don't know that I have the name of any particular booth vendors, people who build booths. Um, uh, somebody else in my company has been dealing with that for the most part. Um, but I mean, they're everywhere. Um it's not like they're, they're difficult to find. Um, we, I think we've used mostly local, um, people to, to help us with the booth setups, uh, or, you know, getting them, uh, together. We use our own designer, right? So the same designer that designs all of our collateral, um, also does the booth designs. Um, and I think that's common. And I highly recommend that that way it's, you know, you got the right stuff and it looks right and it matches every, uh, all, all the rest of your designs. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know that I have specific names of vendors, but I'm more than happy to, to shoot an email, which you can shoot off to your audience uh, with, with some of those names I can research that for. Yeah,
1: absolutely. We'll include it with the, with the blog post. Um, okay. In, in terms of lead time and the project management side of this, when you're planning for the, for the conference that you're attending, how much, how much lead time do you need? Are you guys? Is it at a point now where you can literally just pick up and go to a conference in a couple of weeks, or does it usually take a month or two to get it all together?
2: I would say you could almost never pick up and go to a conference in a couple of weeks. I mean, it's possible. Uh, but if you haven't planned ahead of time, um, you're going to get a very bad booth location if you can get in at all. Um, I mean, most of the conferences that we go to fill up, um, and, and, and that's a good sign, right? I mean, you want to be at the conferences where people are going to be. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we now book our, our, our events, you know, a year in advance, which I know is kind of crazy, but, um, we know that this works for us now and so when we're at the conference there will usually be a booth selection uh day when you can go in and select your booth uh spot for the next year. Okay. And yeah, you gotta you usually gotta pay it, a down uh you gotta put some money down to, to get that booth area. But I'll tell you, um the exhibitors all there are fighting for the premium booth spots and they will get used. Um you know in particular i think legal tech is is already sold out a year in advance so i mean that is very very wow. common um so you know that that can happen um especially for the more popular events um getting a booth together in two three weeks or a month uh, it's not going to happen not it's not going to happen in a way that's worth it uh to go at least in my opinion you need somebody to design your booth you need somebody to go print off um your backdrop you need uh, to you know, arrange schedules, uh, I wouldn't do it. I would wait until you've got uh, the right booth that's going to be at a decent location, that's at the right conference. And again, I, we talked a little bit about conference selection and I glossed over it. Um, we have made the mistake of attending conferences that we thought would be our, uh, well attended by our target market and haven't been. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, make sure that you're going to the right conferences and you can't just rely on what they say on their website. You should talk to the attendees. That's another great reason to have relationships with vendors. You should talk to the attendees at the conference or excuse me, the, the other vendors that you've worked with in the past and say, hey, what kind of people show up at this? Uh, who are they? You know, do you like this conference? What's good? What's bad about it? They'll give you information because, you know, they know the market. So make sure you're going to the right conference. Uh, spend the time to get a killer booth that you can be really proud of. Um, you know, get, find the right tchotchke, uh m- Make it make it something that is gonna you know, at least bring people in and give you a chance to to talk to them. And um, and make sure you can have the right people there. Again, I, I highly recommend bringing an AE.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great. So do you have a do you have a person that's kind of working on this full time for you? Given the number of
2: conferences that you're going to. Yeah, we do. We do. Um, and by the way, I wouldn't recommend more than maybe, you know, six a year is probably plenty. Um, and that's, that may even be too much. Um, you know, I think if you're going to between two to four conferences a year, that's that's enough. Um, but but we do um have somebody that, that doesn't do it full time but it's uh a major part of their job and uh they do all the you know hotel arrangements ahead of time and they make sure that the booth is ready and coordinated and you know our booth now is um uh significant. Uh it's we it's a ten by twenty and so uh that means it's filling up two traditional booth spaces. Um and uh, it requires a professional to install it. So the, somebody's got to fly out and install it before we get there, which, of course, is a huge time saver for us, but is more expensive. Um, so, you know, if, if conferences are working for you, you're going to want to make that investment in a, just a really killer top end booth. Because uh, make no mistake, when customers walk into an exhibit hall, they will immediately assess um, booth size, booth location, and the look and feel of your booth to determine how serious of a player you are in their industry. Um, I, one of our investors told us, uh, that they spend a million dollars a year on booths. So yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of that is just in a few different conferences because they want to make sure that everybody knows that they are the key player. Uh, and and that's where they live. So, um, you know, it's a very big deal, and the market is taking notice. So, um, you know, for us, it's it's worth the investment. Um, but I think everybody should at least go to, you know, one or two conferences a year, even if it's, um, even if you have a low ACV. I think going to at least one a year is probably a good idea, just so that you can be tapped into your market, you can build those relationships. I know that's hard to measure right it it can be very hard to you know determine what the value of of a relationship with a vendor is or what the value of a relationship with a competitor is mm-hmm. but um y- y- i think over time those relationships become uh incredibly helpful and there will be a buzz about your product that you just can't build any other way
1: mm-hmm. yeah and i was going to ask you my next question is going to be you know measurement of this full-time person that's on your staff and the effort and the energy and the money of the booth itself and the six conferences, how do you exactly figure out if all of this activities uh, where all your resources are applied best,
2: right? Sure, of course. And and I I, I don't want to say that we have, have got that dialed in uh, perfectly, but we do pretty well. So Salesforce and Pardot both have uh, tools for uh, measuring campaigns and conferences. Um, And we put that into our analytics, just like we would a PPC campaign or, you know, uh, Facebook advertising um, or cold calling. Uh, So... Uh, it, you, it, it is measurable. Uh, you can attribute leads to a particular conference, but in many cases, it's a touch. Um, and they, you know, this person maybe went to your website, then they saw your
1: booth, exactly,
2: and yeah. then they spoke to you, and then they Googled you and hit a, a, a PPC link. So, you know, it's tough to know exactly uh, always. I mean, I think that's a failure uh, of all those tools, but at least, um, you know, if you've got Salesforce styled in, so you're tracking all those various means of um, all those touches, uh, you'll be able to get some idea of how valuable the conferences are, uh, to you. Um, and you know, I think Marketo does a, a particularly good job at this. When we were evaluating whether to go with Marketo or Pardot, we almost went with Marketo given, uh, what they can do for tracking conferences, but uh, I think both of them do a good job and, um, yeah, we, we, we make sure to get in and attribute those leads to the conference and, um, and we can measure it. And we know for us, um, not only at uh, our metrics, I'll just tell you, um, it's, it's not even close. Um, the leads we get from, um, incoming, I mean, of course, word of mouth is, is the best. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, after that you've got, um, uh, the most expensive is our, uh, PPC campaigns. Um, yeah. after that it goes Facebook, um and then conferences are the very lowest um we we can pick up um a user at a conference at uh i mean well below 25% of our acv uh, and so that's a big deal to us so i mean you can see why we we double down on conferences it's about it's about 20 22% of our acv to get a user at a conference mm
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and most most companies don't realize that, right, because they're they're focused on the pay-per-click channel because maybe it's a little bit easier to implement in the short term, but long-term, a conference, if you can find these two, three deals that are much bigger, um, that's, that's totally worth it. Um, I wanted to touch on two other topics. Uh, this pre-conference prep, you, you kind of glossed over a little bit earlier, but uh, do you guys spend any time setting up meetings ahead of time before you attend a conference?
2: No, but I'll tell you what we do do. Um, we, I mean, we do send out emails, we do uh, jump on the conference app, um, but more importantly, we will say, I mean, look, if we're going to have an AE or two out at a conference, uh, they've already flown out there. Now, during the conference, it's very hard to peel away and go do um, uh, kind of house calls on, on bigger companies, um, mm-hmm. but we will have our SDR team focus in. On a particular location on the on the conference location, and try and set um, you know in person demonstrations, and of course this can only be with very high value high ACV uh, clients, but um, you know we can say, "Hey, look, we're going to be in Chicago for this particular tech show uh, while we're out there, we'd love to visit with your firm. you know we think you guys are a really good fit for our software, and that works very well. Um, It's a much easier outbound call to make than a strictly cold outbound call. You can let them know that, um, you know, this particular person with this title at your company is going to be there. Uh, And if if the email is worded correctly, uh, they'll understand that this is an opportunity to speak with somebody much more knowledgeable uh, than they would get if, you know, they were just going to get a call from NSDR uh, about the tool. And so, yeah, we do a lot of that. And I would say most conferences that I go to, I will have in person demos set up at three or four large firms so I can get that process started. And, and, you know, I'm already in town and I can take advantage of the fact that I'm close by. Plus, um, typically, these, you know, our customers um, are glad to hear that we're coming out. They're glad to hear that there's a conference. Um, You know, it it kind of legitimizes us uh, in their eyes, and and they may wind up attending the conference and, and speaking with us there as well. So, Right, um, yeah, we do a lot of that.
1: mhm. Mm-hmm. I really like this idea of doing in person demos uh in the geographical location. It doesn't necessarily even have to be at the conference if you can land one of your uh, high a c v clients there that that's awesome yeah um okay great and and the la- last thing um Speaking at conferences, that's like a really hot button topic, right? Because if you can get on the stage of a conference, obviously, that's one of the best ways to drive traffic to your booth and legitimize yourself and generate some leads. So can you talk a little bit about that and, and talk about the difference between a conference where maybe you've been on the stage versus when you haven't been on the stage?
2: Well, I mean, it's night and day when you're on the stage versus when you're not. That—that um, That is the goal. Um, like anything, you need to be able to have a resume. You need to have something to say. Uh, that is uh, of value. And if you've just uh, written up a speech that you think is, you know, uh, very valuable to your target market, and you email um, the committee at a conference and say, hey, I'd like to speak, um, and I mean, they're not even going to give you the time of day. They probably won't even respond to your email. Even if you say, hey, you're a vendor and you'd like the opportunity to speak, that that may actually make them less likely uh, mm-hmm. to put you up on stage. Um, now, I will tell you, you can buy your way on stage, right? They'll have specific like sponsored uh, speeches. I don't recommend that at all. They're extremely expensive, and I don't think worth it. Um, uh, you want to be thought of as a legitimate Thought leader in your space, and that means you have to have a legitimate resume. So, um, you know, I spent uh, the past couple years speaking at small shows 30, 40, 100, you know, 500 uh, attendees to have the opportunity in the resume to say, hey, look, you know, I can give you the references of five or six people. Um, they can tell you how my speech went at this other conference, how it was uh, received. Um, and here's my slide deck. Uh, I've given this speech you know, 10 times and we think it would be very, very valuable for your membership. If you can come to a, a conference committee with that kind of credential, you're going to be in good shape. They They need speakers. They want speakers. They want engaging speakers who are going to say something new. Um, So it's not like it's, it's that difficult, but you need to come to them with a resume and not an agenda. And I would make sure that the speech you're going to give is so far removed from um, any kind of salesmanship for your product, that there's just no question that you're out there providing legitimate content. Um, Right. And and so, you know, I mean, that, because that's always a concern. I mean, the last thing uh, a conference committee wants is to, is for their attendees to think that they're just hearing advertisements. So, right. I mean, that's pitch a good deal. Pitch. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So, um, so my question would be, I mean, even if you've done a few of these speaking engagements and you have some good references, are you still just approaching them by email or are you trying to get a direct yeah. referral?
2: No, uh, you know, that's interesting. I, we should try referrals. That's a good idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to talk to the guy who handles that after this call because that's actually a really good idea. No, we're just doing emails right now. Um, but that's a much, much better way to handle it. I like that, Shiv. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. we do emails. Um And, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the main way we're handling it. Oh, I was going to mention that I, I, you need to start this process early. I mean, conferences will start getting their speakers lined up, you know, six, eight, nine months in advance. Uh, we have attempted to speak at conferences where, uh, you know, I think we are are well aligned and certainly more than qualified to be able to speak there. Um, but their schedules are simply twofold because we tried to get in three months prior to the conference. So, um, it's not something that can be done quickly. It needs to be built up over time.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's great. Um, that's I think that's all the questions that I have. Um, do you have any final thoughts on the subject?
2: Uh, no, except to say, you know, you and I were chatting a bit before about, um, you know, conferences versus a PPC campaign versus, you know, internet advertising. I, I think startups... Uh, are typically run by engineers who are data driven and so it's very easy um, to ignore um, conferences because, first of all, you might not be super comfortable uh, being out there talking to people all day long and I'll be the first to say it's it's a tiring process. Um, but just because something isn't easily measurable doesn't mean it's it's not going to have a significant impact. And uh, I, it's rare that I've been to a conference where I've thought, man, that was the wrong move. Um, it happens from time to time, but uh, we're getting it. Uh, we're getting to a place where we're very, very good at knowing which ones are going to be valuable to us. And so I would say, you know, get out there, get out of the office, um, and go speak to your users face-to-face. You will learn things that you would never have learned otherwise.
1: Mm-hmm. That's great insight, man. We're, we get so caught up in the uh, direct, you know, click click through rates and what is the upgrade rate that's coming from this UTM tag and all that stuff that sometimes, you know, you do things that don't scale and they end up actually scaling. So uh, right. that's great great advice um all right and, and last thing i just want to show you some appreciation man for taking the time out to do this and sharing some of your learnings i think it's going to help a lot of founders and people even in later stages because a lot of companies scale to 10 million like us we've never gone to a conference it's entirely scaled with content marketing and pay-per-click and seo so uh, a lot of great insights and thanks for that
2: of course you're happy to do it man all right thanks a lot man thanks thanks bye cheers
0: That's it for today's episode, guys. Thanks for listening. Please be sure to subscribe on iTunes and to check us out at www.howtosass.com, and we will see you next time.